This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back rankings. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Bruni. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone not to enter the transfer portal. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusDecant.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Ace, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a committed version of tonight's show, two highly touted members of the 2020 freshman class appear to be on the outs with their schools. I reveal the cheat code to winning your, your C2C college side in 2022, and we play a game called What Do You Know? But we start with Mel Kuyper who is absolutely on one today, releasing his NFL draft position rankings. That raised some questions. Boys, we're going to start with the quarterbacks here. According to Mel Kuyper, he's got Kenny Pickett, the pit quarterback, number one, Matt Corral, number two, Desmond Ritter, number three, Malik Willis, number four, Sam Howell, number five, Phil Jerkovich, number six, Carson Strong, number seven, Hendon Hooker, the Virginia Tech to Tennessee transfer, number eight, Tanner McKee, number nine, Jaden Daniels, number 10. Now, just so we're playing it straight here, Campus to Ken, uh, we currently have Sam Howell. This is for 2022. We have Sam Howell as the QB1, Matt Corral as the QB2, Malik Willis, the quarterback three, Carson Strong, quarterback four. Spencer Rattler is currently ranked the quarterback five, but we're going to go ahead and skip him. Jaden Daniels, six. Desmond Ritter, seven. Grayson McCall, eight. Keaton Slovis, again, a guy who's probably not going to come out in 2022. So we'll skip him. JT Daniels, uh, 10. And I'll give you two more since we uh, skipped Rattler and Slovis. Phil Jerkovich and Jake Hainer. So that those would re- that would really encompass our top 10. Austin, let me... <laughs> Happy Halloween. 
That's who we are. Took you long enough to <laughs> notice. Holy crap! <laughs> I'm gonna throw it to you. Let me throw it to you since Kenny Pickett. Let me. All right. Let me. Let's back up here. Austin and Matt are are dressed like me for Halloween. That's why I lost my composure there for a second. Uh, obviously, I do not look at the screen until I finish the intro, and so that's when I picked up that uh that. They both had coordinated costumes today. So, uh, Austin, talk about Kenny Pickett and whether he should be the highest-ranked quarterback. I was like, man, Felix is the most composed. I know. Dude <laughs> I was in the like, how? I'm like trying not to laugh over here. I'm like, how the hell is he not laughing? Uh, uh, good times. You good have time. to go watch the YouTube video, folks. If you're listening to the podcast, go catch the YouTube. Go ahead, yes. Austin. Yes. Okay, Kenny Pickett. Um, so I am a big Pitt fan. I attended uh, that lovely institution uh, for a part of my schooling. Um, I have not actually watched Kenny Pickett this year. Like I've watched a couple of Pitt games. I have not watched Kenny Pickett. So I can't necessarily comment on what he's done this year beyond like just watching him casually. But what I do know about Kenny Pickett going into this year, I would have thought maybe he was thick. He's been extremely inconsistent throughout his college career. Uh, basically, a sub sixty percent passer coming into this season, and all of a sudden, his completion percentage balloons up to you know about 69 percent. His you know yards per attempt is up by over two yards. He, his interceptions are, are way down. I mean, this is a guy that that I'm supposed to expect was mediocre at best for four years, four long years, and all of a sudden, as a twenty three year old senior. We've unlocked something in him that's going to be yeah, make him the top quarterback in this NFL draft. If that's the case, then guys, don't take any quarterbacks in this draft. We've been saying it for months. This is just a weak, weak draft if Kenny Pickett truly ends up as quarterback one. And I mean, we know Kuyper, whatever we think about him, generally he is the most accurate mock drafter or amongst the most accurate mock drafters. And he's generally pretty plugged in with NFL guys. So for him to be saying this, Someone out there who makes decisions or at least helps make them is saying it as well. I can't, li- can't listen to anything you guys are, are, are saying. Anthony Richardson, QB1. <laughs> Matt Bruni, talk about uh, the quarterback rankings that Mel Kiper released. I mean, they're, they're interesting, to say the least. I mean, we were talking a little bit pre-show, obviously. I'm a massive fan of Desmond Ritter. I, I think he's a really good quarterback, and, and I think he's got a shot to be in the NFL as like a second-round pick and, and likely the future of, of a backup. I don't know that he's ever going to be a, a starting quarterback in the NFL, or even if he is, it's likely because of injury. I don't know that anybody's drafting him to be their starter. So to have him at three over guys like Sam Howe, and I mean, say what you want about Malik Willis, he's a souped-up version of Desmond Ritter. So why do you have Desmond? Like he, Desmond Ritter is not even as accurate as Malik Willis. So I, none of that makes sense to me. Why you have him above Malik Willis and as plugged in as, as he is, which I agree with Austin on that. I can't imagine there are NFL GMs out there saying, Oh yes, I want Desmond Ritter over Sam Howell and Malik Willis. That, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, Carson strong down there at seven. That, that makes some sense to me. I, we all, or most of us think that he's better. There's a lot of people who do some people who don't, but again, we've talked a lot, and Austin's brought it up, the way that the NFL is kind of transitioning more toward these mobile quarterbacks. Not running quarterbacks, but mobile quarterbacks. And Carson Strong uh, doesn't have any of that. Uh, you know, He was a six for negative 21 this week, uh, You know, so he's bad at, bad at QB. Uh, but outside of that, I think 
You know, Phil Jakovic, he's an interesting one because I actually do think he could be rated very highly by by NFL GMs. He's got all the tools, but the injury last year, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to school. Uh, so it, it's just a very interesting group. I, it's not at all how I would rank them, but then again, I'm I'm sitting here at home dressed like a Felix <laughs> M. Sharp idiot. Esquire and <laughs> dressed like an not, idiot, not working for ESPN. So, um, Austin, I think you hit the nail on the on the head on your initial comments there is that if this, if these are the rankings, we haven't even gone through the running backs and wide receivers yet, but if these are the rankings of, Ooh, it's uh that throws a red flag. I mean, with Kenny Pickett ranked number one, I'm always cautious when there is someone who's emerged that we weren't thinking of before who hasn't established a track record up and up until this point. Now, Kenny Pickett is a fine player, but for him to be potentially the number one quarterback, a top 10 pick, that feels scary to me. And we've been, I mean, we've been saying it since we started this podcast that 2022 was not the class that you wanted to have dynasty picks in. I can't even look at you guys. Um, (laughs) and I think that these rankings somewhat confirm that they somewhat confirm that, um, all right, let's go, let's go in here to, I do want to talk about, let's talk about Carson strong. Um, because they played Fresno state this week. He set a record for completion percentage or excuse me for completions, a personal record for completions in that game. Uh, Austin, we talked on coast to coast. You said that you, or we didn't talk on coast. We did talk on coast to coast. You said that you weren't impressed with his performance that day. But what I saw and what I've seen from Carson Strong is a player who is aggressive vertically when it's there. If it's not there like it was against Fresno State, they were dropping eight. He takes what's underneath. He can throw the ball to to any portion of the field. So you have this guy who is who is solid but not spectacular. But that's what Jared Goff is. That's what Jared Goff is, and for I think my argument about Carson Strong up until this point has been about his value, where you could get him a year or two years ago and what he's going to be. You've seen a massive increase in value. So, Austin, you're going to argue that he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. I think that he will, but even if he's a second-round draft pick, I'm still not taking the L. I'm not taking the L. Because from a value perspective, there's he was he was a great pickup. Not taking the L on Zach Wilson, not taking the L on Mayan Williams, not taking the L on Zach Davidson, who didn't even play last year as a Division II tight end and ended up being a fourth round draft pick. So um, I think that 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 strong is has some good physical tools, not great physical tools, but there are plenty of. I mean, I think that's what Jamin what Jameis Winston was quarterback with good physical tools and not great physical tools. What are your thoughts on Carson Strong as a first-round draft pick? Yeah, I actually am with you that that regardless, unless Carson Strong goes in like the seventh round, I think you get the W on him and Zach Wilson and Zach Davidson for that matter. Mayan Williams is still just like the... the I've never lost, Austin. I've never lost. Uh, Mayan Williams makes no sense to me. I don't get that argument, but that's that's for a different day. Um, look, I, I, I'll kind of um, spark notes what I what I said about Carson Strong on Coast to Coast this week. I thought he was outplayed by Jake Hayner, which I figured no matter which quarterback I said played better, uh, you know, you won the conversation. But he just when things are going poorly around him, like in the pocket, I just think he's very poor. 
Uh, anytime you can get any sort of pressure near him, because I, he's so stiff that he can't like, like he doesn't really have different arm slots he can throw from, in my opinion. He, he can't really like if there's anything off about him mechanically, I think he struggles as a quarterback and he's not mobile enough to get out of those situations. I would just be shocked if he goes in the first round, the NFL GM that takes him will not have a job within two years. I think it's going to be that big of a mistake because there's got, there's not in the NFL, even Tom Brady, you know, who is like notoriously unathletic and, and is kind of the, the, the poster child for the, the pocket passer. He's okay. When stuff's going on around him, he can maneuver in the pocket. He, he works well, a little bit under pressure. I just don't see strong being able to do that. I think he's really going to struggle in the NFL. Um, and I, I, I don't think an NFL team is going to love him either. And this this the seven here tells me that maybe that's what Kuyper's hearing too. I mean, I, I don't really know. I could be right. I mean, regarding moving in the pocket, uh, 8.50 left in the third quarter. They ran double post to the field. He fades to his left. He's on the move and floats a, an easy pass to the outside post for a touchdown. It was about a 30-yard throw or something like that. And he had another throw where he had to step in the up in the pocket in, in that game and, and, and make a throw over the middle. You know, we'll see. I'll, I'll, let me. I'll, I'll admit this: if you have Carson Strong and the hype that we've been driving of him, and I would, I would sell him if I could get decent, uh, a decent return, an NFL, a NFL return. Why not? Don't just hold that that value. Go ahead and get some equity back. How, All right. how far well, off um, your eval of Zach Wilson is he? What do you mean? He's way off. Okay. He's he's way off. Okay, way off. I just wanted to. Yeah, because you've called him both first round quarterbacks. I didn't know. Um, yeah, yeah. How far apart? Um, Kuiper's wide receivers. Uh, number one, Drake London. I don't think that any any of us have a problem with Drake London being number one. Number two, Jamison Williams, the Alabama wide receiver. Um, that's even too high for me. Number three, Jahan Dotson. Number four. Uh, Garrett Wilson, five, Chris Olave, six, Traylon Burks, David Bell, number seven, George Pickens, number eight, Jalen Tolbert, number Jalen Tolbert, number nine, John Mechie, number 10, and Justin Ross, uh, the top 11 there. Now, our, our Matt, I'm going to throw this one to you to respond. Uh, our top wide receivers at Campus to Canton, Traylon Burks, number one, Garrett Wilson, number two, David Bell, number three, George Pickens, number four, Chris Olave, number five, Drake London, number six, Wandell Robinson. Number seven, Zay Flowers, number eight. John Mechie, number nine. So we're very close there. And then Khalil Shakir, number 10. Uh, Matt Bernie, do you like Jamison Williams as the second best wide receiver in this class? No. We talked about him recently when you got to uh, pat yourself on the back for getting this right. I, I, he's going to test great, and he's having an amazing season. Um, I can distinctly remember going back to the summer and, and a lot of people talking crap about his dad, actually, because uh, he was blowing a lot of people up on Twitter and other social media, media saying that Ohio State was going to regret Jamison Williams leaving and he was going to blow up at Alabama. I don't know that Ohio State regrets him leaving. Uh, I, I've always said I think it's just because the other three guys there are more talented than him, and I would still say that I think JSN is more talented. But he has definitely looked 10 times better in that Alabama offense than he's ever looked at Ohio State. But I'm not taking him as the second best wide receiver off the board. I mean, you can call me a homer all you want. That's fine. 
I'm taking Garrett Wilson over him. I'm taking Chris Olave over him. Definitely taking Traylon Burks over him. And I'm taking David Bell over him. I know that a lot of the other guys at the site are not as big of fans of David Bell as I am. But how good of a route runner and everything is, how technically sound David Bell is, I'm taking him. Now, Jamison Williams, he's likely, I think, going to probably get round three, round four draft capital because of speed. And he's shown on tape that he's a really good player at Alabama. If he's the number two, if he's the number two wide receiver in the according to Mel Kuyper, he he could go in the first round. I would be stunned if he went. And if he runs a sub four four, if he runs a four three five or something like that, he could very well go at the end of the first round. Out of all the guys that he has here, he's he's the one that I'm most stunned. Like Drake London, with everything he's been doing. I know it's just it's so damn sexy, right? You're imagining yourself with a beard now too. I can just see it in your face. Uh, it, you just Drake London has boosted his stock so much with his play this year that that makes sense to me. And and even Jahan Dotson because of how just talented he is. Jamison Williams, he's a good wide receiver, but the base of his game is speed. And I understand the NFL is is, is really valuing those guys. I. You're talking about if he goes first round. I'm sorry, Garrett Wilson's a first round pick. I can hear the argument on Olave not. I can't hear it on not, on Traylon Burks. So if you're talking about Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, and if he's got Dotson up there, I'm assuming he thinks Dotson's going to go first round. So you're talking about what one, two, three, four, five, at least five wide receivers going in the first round. I just I don't see that many wide receivers going in the first round. I just don't. And I think out of all those guys, Jamison Williams is the one I would bet doesn't. Doesn't mean it's any worse if he goes in the second round, which I think is possible with how good he's played, but I would not have him as the second. Like, I would hear, listen to the argument, if you're talking about our rankings, moving him above Shakir or Mechie. I'll listen to the argument, but not at two. Now, I'm not moving him up over all those guys. Austin, I mean, what do you think about, what impact could the NFL, excuse, the combine have on these rankings, specifically with a guy like Garrett Wilson, who's tested very well uh, as a high school recruit, and then Traylon Burks. I mean, we expect him to be one of the best athletes at the position for the wide receiver group. Yeah, I would be shocked. Um, Traylon Burks is just going to – I don't know what his spark score is going to be, but it's going to be ridiculous. So they still do like the three Sigma club. I think he'll be just off of that but he's just an insane athlete. He's going to like in totality, he will test better than Jamison Williams. In my opinion, he just will. And I think he's a more well-rounded player. I'm shocked that you basically have the, the can do a little bit of everything version of Jamison Williams, four spots lower than him in these rankings and Traylon Burks. I, I don't necessarily have an issue with some of the other stuff he has on here. I mean, just John Dotson, is whatever i would never put him over garrett wilson but i think there are some things that Jahan dotson just flat out does better than garrett wilson i think he's significantly better like stacking corners and 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 winning downfield a lot of the times when garrett wilson wins downfield i don't want to call it a blown coverage but it's literally him just like running through a zone straight and he's athletic enough that he can that he's open Uh, there there are very few times that i've watched him get open deep that he's just flat out beat somebody. Jahan Dotson is sneaky in that regard. He he gets he gets himself open one on one coverage on the boundary fairly often. So I mean I I think some of these names are interchangeable. London I, I just don't I he's he's a good player. I I think round one is is warranted first overall. I mean again same argument made with the quarterbacks. The fact that this is the order tells me that this isn't a very good class and the nfl has no idea what to do this might this might come down to like who has what pick and just what kind of receiver 
they want. I'm also shocked. I'm just shocked that Wondell Robinson isn't in that top 11, who's had an amazing season and is extremely well-rounded. He's like literally exactly what the NFL wants right now. I'm, I'm shocked that he's not. I, I don't know. I don't know that he wins downfield, and and I don't know that he's going to be the athlete that's like Rondell Moore is. I mean, to me, he's a little more Tavon Austin than Rondell Moore, and so that's that's might be why he's not here. Um, but I, yes, I think that as you were just saying, Austin, these are the kinds of rankings you see when there's no consensus and there's no consensus because none of these player players have demanded that we rank them accordingly. So there's going to be opinions all over the place on these guys more so than, uh, than the class that will come after them or the class before them. Now, I mean, to me, that's another red flag to me. That's another, that's another red flag uh, with this class. I just don't, it feels 2022 feels like throwing. Yeah. Is somebody going to hit? Sure. But it feels like throwing darts more so than, than other classes. Let's move on here to the running backs. Brees Hall, number one, Isaiah Spiller, number two. I don't think that we have any problem with that, but then it gets interesting. Devonta Price, Florida international, number three. I have not heard anybody talk about him. Pierre Strong, number four. I've only heard Shane Hallam talk about him. Kenneth Walker, number five. Um, Kyron Williams, number six. Brian Robinson, number seven. That's crazy to me. Muhammad Ibrahim with the torn Achilles and everything and who's a player, even healthy, doesn't have a lot of juice. Uh, Number eight, Zach Charbonnet, number nine. Tyler Goodson, number 10. Now, According to Campus to Ken, our rankings are currently top 10 at running back. Isaiah Spiller, number one. Brees Hall, number two. Kyron Williams, number three. Jerome Ford, number four. Sincere McCormick, number five. Zamir White, number six. Rashad White, uh, number seven. Eric Gray, number eight. Noah Kane, number nine. Tyler Algier, number 10. I think that uh, Zamir White not being on Mel Kuyper's list is questionable. I think that Rashad White, Rashad White not being on that list is very questionable to me. I mean, those are two of the better values, I believe, at the running back position in the 2022 class. And the fact that they're not there is is problematic. Maybe they don't go. Are we talking about Rashad White and Zamir, and, and Zamir White being in our top 15, but then not even being drafted You know, or being day three guys? I mean, that's what we're looking at with this 2022 class, Austin. It's, a bad, it's, it, it's a bad list, and I don't want to dump on – I try not to dump on people's rankings because anything can happen. I mean, I remember having a discussion and I, I, I don't think I really dumped on the guy, but somebody had Kenny Pickett that I talked to as their QB one this off season. Their, their rankings were horrible, but that was like the thing that stuck out to me. And I said, you know, I've watched Pickett for years. I, I don't think he has that potential. And now like, lo and behold, Mel Kuyper's rankings match his. So I, I try not to dump on too many rankings. This list is just stupid. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm higher than most people on on Jerome Ford. Um, he should be on this list. He's NFL. He's NFL size, NFL athlete. He's shown a, a, a patience, a, a patient running style. He can run with power. I mean, he should be at at, board, at at worst on this list over a Tyler Goodson, who will be happy to be a a, a committee back in the NFL. Um, you know, Mo Ibrahim, who like if you're drafting him, you're drafting a running back that if you need three yards, he gets you three yards. And if you need eight yards, he gets you three yards. I mean, that's what he's going to be in the NFL. There's there, the, there's just a bunch of role players on here. 
Like he he took into almost zero account whether somebody can be a lead back. And the other issue I have with it actually is Devonta Price, who I actually do like, and I have on quite a few of my C2C rosters. He's his, his uh, granted, he hasn't had a ton of volume, but he's a fifth year senior and his best season before this year was 581 yards. And this year he has 586. I mean, what are we doing yeah. here? What are we doing? Matt, uh, Matt, let's say you have in a super flex league, let's say, let's say the, the draft goes according to our rankings and you get Matt Corral and uh, Sam Howell as the first two quarterbacks taken. Yeah. Would you take Michael Gallup for the 103 uh, in the 2022 class? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I think he's a phenomenal wide receiver. I'm kind of confused on why we're talking about Michael Gallup now, unless you're comparing. He's trying to. I'm I'm trying to just evaluate the value, what value exists in this class. Oh, Mm. like would you take Michael Gallup over the field at wide receiver, the 2022 field? No, my bad. No, I would not. Um, it would depend on landing spot. Um, probably Traylon Burks. I would take over him easily. Um, I would consider Drake London, though I, I am higher on him than I think you guys are. Same with Garrett Wilson. And I'd probably still take him over the running backs, but Spiller would be close for me. Because I do, I, you, I mean, Spiller's, I talked about I wanted to see if he could do it again this year. He's absolutely done it again this year. There's there's no doubting what Spiller's done. He's the easy RB1 in this class and a tier by himself. And, and I think Gallup gives you a tad bit more upside than what Hall would give you. So Spiller would be close. I would definitely take Burks and probably London and Wilson because I just I think their upside might be more – I kind of know – I think I know what Gallup is. So, uh, Austin, let me let me throw this question to you. I'm going to just go to the wide receivers here. Michael Gallup or Drake London, who's taken in the back end of the first round? Probably probably London, assuming that I kind of – I mean, I know I, I draft on talent, not based on landing spot. Um, he would have to be in a really poor landing spot for me not to take him, I think. Okay, Jameson Williams is taken in the second round. you got Gallup or – or Jameson Williams? A first-round Jameson Williams I might roll the dice on just because I think a team would be utilizing him pretty heavily there. A second-round Jameson Williams and not like a top 40 pick, probably take Gallup. Garrett Wilson, third-round pick. You taking uh, Wilson or Gallup? Uh, the odds say I have to take Gallup there, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, and I, I think – tell me if you guys agree with this. If Traylon Burks gets – First round, second round, or third round draft capital. I feel like I'm gravitating towards him above some of these other guys, especially if he goes and runs a if he runs a four four at 230 pounds. I don't see how you go beyond the second round, but I just I feel safer with him than some of these other guys. Do you feel the same way? A team just doesn't want to incur the expense of expense of having to buy him multiple sets of gloves every game. Have you heard this story? His hands are too big. He breaks like four pairs of gloves a game. Like, I, I have that they have some special order gloves for him. So, um, all right. It, just a cautionary tale with this uh, this 2022 class. Questionable, questionable rankings all over the place. Questionable players. Devonta Price, Pierre Strong, uh, Mo Abraham. I mean, that, that's not sexy at all.
Let's move on to at least one player who is sexy, and that's Zach Evans. Uh, Zach Evans and Harrison Bailey making some noise today. Zach Evans had removed all of the mentions of TCU from his social media, um, and Harrison Bailey officially entered the transfer portal. Third on the depth chart to Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. Um, he was a highly touted four-star prospect in that 2020, 2020 class, Matt Bruning. Um, let's talk about Zach Evans first here. I mean, are you concerned? Zach Evans had the had the tumultuous recruiting uh, uh, recruiting path uh, before committing to TCU very, very late. Um, are you concerned about about these passive aggressive antics uh, from Zach Evans? No, because he is extremely talented. I, I talked a lot about this in the Discord, and I posted some on Twitter about it. I I get it. He he made some mistakes when he was 17 and 18 years old. Who the hell hasn't? I mean, we're not talking about, about a bunch of choir boys, choir boys here. He, he made some mistakes. When, when do we get to move past him being a knucklehead? Because he got suspended for half a, half a quarter or whatever it was because he was late after curfew. I was suspended or, or punished every time I was late for curfew. You probably guys, you wouldn't even know me. My parents would have killed me at this point. Like people make mistakes. He's a kid. And on top of that, it's his Instagram page. TCU is not paying him as far as I know to advertise the TCU Horn Frogs. Why the hell does it matter if he removed everything off of his thing? Julio Jones did it last year at the Atlanta Falcons. Guess what? He still played for the Atlanta Falcons for an entire year before he got traded. Who cares? People. You're making this way too big a deal, and you're jumping in on a kid because he's labeled as an issue or a problem player because he's had a couple off-the-field issues. If this was – I know Austin said a bunch of people went in on a Jai Hall for his his tweet. I didn't see that, so I'm going to take him at his word. But what if a C.J. Stroud next year is playing for the Buckeyes and Quinn Ewers beats him out, and then he deletes everything off of his uh, off his Instagram of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Is everybody going to jump in and be like, oh, my God, look at C.J. Stroud. He deleted his shit off Instagram. No. Nobody's going to say a yes. damn thing. Because no. that means they're probably leaving. That's news. But that why does that matter? If he transfers, he transfers. Same thing with well, Zach for, Evans. For, with, with Zach Evans, I mean, it's part of the picture. And, yes, he, he – was kicked off the team or something like that as a senior for a cell phone incident. So, I mean, it's not this instance in a vacuum. We have to consider the entire picture with, with Zach Evans. And so in C2C leagues and Debbie leagues, it's all about risk. And Zach Evans presents some risks that Bijan Robinson doesn't, that Jameer Gibbs doesn't. So yes, it should be considered Austin. I mean, am I off here? So does his like, value I, outweigh the risk though? Let me ask that. Probably. The supposed risk. I mean, then, we said that we said the same thing about Eric Gilbert up until a certain point this offseason, too, though, didn't we? But that's different Not, because I we mean, knew he, his stuff was academic and he transferred like six times in a, in a month period. That's a little bit different. Like, I think I think the it, it, the first four or five months of it are rather innocuous. You know, he opts out. Rumor is he's homesick. He wants to go back home. He says he wants to go to Florida. And then we hear no news for a long time. Like, I, at that point, you're like, he just wanted to go back home. And I think you're saying the same thing about Zach Evans. You know, he's just a little off. But just uh, 24-7 has called his recruitments one of the craziest of all time. He got suspended in the state high school championship game because he's a fucking idiot. And then during his recruitment, like, he dropped a top five. Half the schools in the top five weren't even recruiting him. Like, he just dropped a top five with a bunch of schools that didn't want him. He... 
like per like he he famously said like he was never going to go to a Texas school, and then visited all the Texas schools and ended up at a Texas school. He, I mean, he he got suspended earlier this year. He signed with a. I mean, he, he there are just so many issues with him. I think you know I always we talk about on the campus to Canton pod like is somebody immature or is he a knucklehead? He really straddles that line at times, and that's a dangerous, dangerous game to play. Because if you want Zach Evans, and I'm I, I'm actually buying after this like scenario, so I'm not saying I'm I'm not selling Zach Evans, but you're paying an awfully big price for a guy that might not do anything in the NFL because he's kind of an asshole. And that's kind of a scary proposition. If he was just some, you know, fourth round pick or whatever, then fine, you can invest in him. It's just, it's a heavy price to pay. I'm still buying him. We talk about it painting a picture. Think about a player like Spencer Rattler, um, QB1. That show painted a picture of who he was as a person. And then when he gets to Oklahoma, you hear uh, questions about his leadership ability and uh, the fact that teammates gravitate more towards Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. So it's it's part of the picture. It should be considered. Let's move on here to Harrison Bailey. Uh, Harrison, we mentioned Eric Gilbert. Harrison Bailey played with Eric Gilbert in high school. Um, of the teams that he received offers from that he could realistically go to, guys, let me know what you guys think. Appalachian State, Auburn, uh, after losing Bo Nix, or he could potentially back up Bo Nix for a season. Florida State, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, and then Ole Miss potentially compete with Luke Altmeyer for the uh, uh, starting quarterback job after uh, Matt Corral leaves. Do any of those do any of those destinations sound particularly attractive for for C two C when you always need a value at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think Florida State could be could be very interesting if if they end up going away from Milton. I don't I was kind of in and out, you know, tuning you out as you were talking there, as you typically do us. Uh, I think uh, he was also offered from Georgia, I believe. I actually think he might be a good fit at Georgia. I mean, he was one of the top top guys in this class, right? He was like the third-ranked quarterback, top 100. So, JT, I mean, I know they're they're running with Stetson Bennett, but I think if you get a guy like Harrison Bailey, you know, Kevin Coleman believes in him, and I trust Kevin. Kevin is very good at what he does, and, I think he could go to Georgia and easily be a very good quarterback there. But I think Florida State would be a great landing spot for him as well. Probably the easier place for him to go. I, Appalachian, I don't think he wants to go to an Appalachian State or a, a Georgia. I know. It's just, I know. It's so, it's just like, it's, it's so sexy. I got it. I know. You, you don't have to hide your smile. Uh, but anyways, I, I don't think he, he takes that step down. My bet would be a Florida State, or I really could see him going to like a Georgia, staying in the SEC and, and playing, playing in that offense with that defense helping him as well. I don't think Georgia wants him. They have they JT want. Daniels. Stetson Bennett's look fine. They have Gunnar Stockton coming in this year. Who's Brock Vandergriff. QB1. Quarterback. Brock Vandergriff's there. Brock Vandergriff's there. I mean, he's like the QB7 so on Beck the roster. So Carson and Jackson Muschamp. Yeah. So, yeah. If we're naming all the quarterbacks on the roster, yeah, Brock Vandergriff. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I don't. I mean. QB1 this year. That was our QB1, right? Right. Took him in the first round. Now, just, just double check. We're all on the same page here. So I don't know what I was saying anymore. Um, thanks, Felix. Um, Are there any of those those particular destinations that seem attractive? Uh, Appalachian State, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I, I don't think he'll step down to App State. I think that's too far down for him. Auburn would be really intriguing. I actually think he'd do pretty well with Brian Harson because he's kind of like I, I don't think Harson's offense necessarily requires a quarterback to be 
to work well out of structure, which is literally Harrison Bailey is one of the worst high school, like top rated high school quarterbacks I've ever watched when it comes to playing outside of structure. He is awful, awful. He cannot do anything that is not within the offense. And that is why he hasn't played at all in two years at Tennessee. So I think Auburn would be a good spot for him if Bo Nix leaves. Georgia Tech, I don't know. It's close to home, but it doesn't really seem like him. The Mississippi State, I think Leach has his guys. And Ole Miss, I think we just think that Lane Kiffin can make any quarterback look good. Like, I don't. I don't think that's the case. And I think that the offense that he runs, unless like he's willing to completely change the system, fits it all. Mm-hmm. What because it asks it asks Matt Corral to improvise a lot. And again, I don't think Harrison Bailey is capable of that at all. So I think I like I don't even know if any of those schools besides Auburn really match him. Well, audience, let us know what you think as far as Harrison Bailey. Where would you like to see him land, and is he going to be relevant? Is he someone that we should be targeting in C2Cs next year? Boys, let's move on to our game for the evening. This game is called What Do You Know? Each of us has three or more statements of something we claim to quote-unquote know about college football with a Debbie C2C spin. Uh, We will each make the statement and provide the analysis for why we know it, and then we're going to be judged, judged by our peers. All right, Matt Bruning, uh, you were very prepared for uh, for this one tonight. So why don't you start with your first? Yes, we we will. Thing we will all be know. judging ourselves here through this. So my first one, sticking on brand with No Ohio State. I know that two of the current No Ohio State quarterbacks will play against each other in the national championship in the next three years. C.J. Stroud ends up keeping this job next year. I truly believe that Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCord will transfer. We've talked about this multiple times. No Ohio State has just done such a horrible job with this. And and, and just Ryan Day, he's been bad. I don't really know. It hurts to talk like this, but i got to stay in character. So I think both of those guys will transfer out. And as we've talked about many times, just with Kyle McCord alone, he could start on 90 to 95% of college teams. We've seen this year these teams are – much closer than we thought they were coming into these previous seasons. There's not really a lot of quarterbacks that we all trust that can take teams over the top. I think Kyle McCord could go to an LSU and immediately make them a title contender. Same thing with Georgia. And then we're talking about Quinn Ewers, who I believe is, he's better than Kyle. That if he goes anywhere, he's going to do the same thing as well. So I know, I know, Felix, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud. That's why I whispered it, just in case, you know, people are watching. So I I think if either one of those guys go, they could easily play C.J. Stroud possibly in the national championship next year or could be Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers on two different teams. But they will all have that common denominator of being in the Ohio State Buckeye room for at least one year together. I'm not going to act like I don't like Kyle McCord or like aggressive drop back passers even if they're not necessarily scramblers and he uh he he is that i mean he has an nfl arm today um but where is he going to go that he would be a national make a a team a national championship contender i just i don't see that austin um what do you is is matt bruning correct here this is just lazy it's just it's just absolutely it's very on brand Yes. It's very yeah. I gotta uh, have at least very. I have to have at least one on brand one. To be honest, I don't think it's like outrageous. It's not. That's why I, did. I mean, whatever, whatever, whichever of those two ends up in the portal, some could like uh, coaches are just gonna be sitting there rubbing their hands together. I mean, let, let's 
be clear about that. I think, you know, as soon, the day that, that Kyle McCord or Quinn Ewers hits the portal, they both field 70 phone calls. So I, I don't think it's ridiculous. Well, let me ask you this. What if one of them were to go to Oregon with that defense? All of a sudden you have a quarterback who can actually pass the ball, and like Anthony Brown, you could probably easily run through the Pac-12, then you have to win one game to make it the national championship. Like, that's my point. It's not as difficult as you may think. Like, I get if one of them were to go to LSU, you still got to get through Bama and Bryce Young, which is not going to be easy. But I think I, I think it's very possible. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll we'll see if uh, if that comes to fruition uh, next season, Matt Bruni. All right, Austin, give us your first thing that you know. Thing that you know. Give us yours. So, keeping with the theme of uh, uh, fresh incoming freshman running backs, Matt and I have done some YouTube videos the past couple of weeks on these guys. I know that Jadon Blue is the next Travion Henderson slash Bijan Robinson. Uh, Jadon Blue is my top running back in the class. He opted out this year, so he will not be helping his stock anymore. One of the best high school running backs I've ever seen. And the thing that we talk about, especially with Bijan, but also with Travion, is their, they play under control so well. The footwork, just, just their ability to have that feel for running the ball. They both have it in spades. Jadon Blue has the same skills. He will be the top running back in this class. If Bijan opts out, I expect Jadon Blue to have that Texas job by about week five or six, pretty much locked up. So he is the next of that ilk. And I bet he'll probably like return kicks or something to start the year, like like Bijan did. Like yep. Tra- did Travion return a couple too? Yes. Travion so returned yes. a couple. Jameer Gibbs first yeah. touch was almost a kick return for a touchdown. Um yeah, no, I I can't really I can't really evaluate your uh, your first statement just because I haven't watched Jadon Blue. The only thing I know about him is that he was good enough to sit out his senior year of Texas high school football. And speaking of sitting out, that's going to be um, one of mine later on. All right, uh, all right. Let me move on to uh, to my first thing that I know, and I know that Anthony Richardson will be a Heisman finalist in 2022 after taking over as the starter. This guy has 28 carries for 348 yards on the season. That extrapolates extrapolates to 835.2 yards over a 12-game season. He's only played 21% of the offensive snaps uh, this year. So you're talking about a, a near 1,000-yard rusher with 21% of the snaps. He's the second-leading rusher, even only having played five games, second to Emory Jones. Uh, he hasn't played two two games because of a, because of a hamstring injury. I think that every time we see this guy play, we see him improve. Dan Mullen's offenses have put up numbers, and think about when Kyle Trask was there. All the offense he had, Kadarius Tony, he had uh, Kyle Pitts uh, there outside. The I can't remember the other wide receiver, the senior wide receiver who was out there. They had tons of weapons there. They're not going to have that uh, in 2022. If Anthony Richardson is declared the starter, I think that the offense is going to revolve entirely around him. And you could see him put up some monster numbers over 1,200 yards rushing, over 3,000 yards, three, 4,000 yards, well, 3,000 yards passing. And will be he will be a Heisman finalist. He will be a Heisman finalist in 2022 once he's declared the starter and once he's playing 100% of the snaps. No. It's not on brand. <laughs> no. No. Maybe. No is the, 
no the ceiling is certainly there this the ceiling is very tantalizing with him it's just the floor is like so deep into the ground it's i don't even know you're getting the lotion yeah (laughs) (laughs) i get that that reference Thank you. So, but one of you would. Anyways, so on to my next one. It takes the lotion, it puts it on the skin, you know, deep into the hole, into the ground. Come on now. All right, I'll just move on to my next one. Uh, much like that that uh, that obscure. It's not really obscure movie reference. Silence uh, of the Lambs. That's not, yeah. that's not obscure. Felix, like, I didn't get it. I didn't. We, I didn't get it. I've never seen Silence of the Lambs. So, well, it makes sense why you did. There's your homework for next week, yeah. son. I know that two of the top prospects from Oklahoma will transfer and play somewhere else in 2022, and I am talking about Spencer Rattler and Eric Gray. I don't think either one of them come out this year, and I think with Gavin Sawchuk and Relique Brown coming in there, I think both of them could push Eric Gray to possibly become part of that. I don't think either one actually starts, but push him for that. I don't even know if Kennedy Brooks comes out this year. I think both Spencer Rattler and Eric Gray transfer at the end of this season and will be playing somewhere else to rebuild their stock before the 2022 draft. Or sorry, 2023. I, qu- I question whether – we had Eric Gray ranked so highly, and I question whether or not he's an NFL running back. He's not necessarily explosive for a guy who's going to be used in a committee pass catching like type role. And I'm just like, Ugh, I, I don't, uh, I, these, yeah, drafted way too highly this year. Yeah. Um, and, and moving to Oklahoma, we thought it would send his uh, value uh, skyrocketing and really, really had a, it was a really interesting can, story. Can he transfer again without having to sit the year? Like I know they were giving a one time waiver. Can he do a second time? No, no. I don't think he I should would, be able to. I mean, I think so because I think last year it was a COVID thing that allowed you. I don't know if that actually counted as your one free transfer because that got put in after the season. I think yeah. it does. I mean, yeah, I, I think it does too. And uh, I, I don't know where Eric Gray. Where could Eric Gray go? That's can go to App State a better situation than, than Oklahoma. I mean, uh, well, he can't go to a better place that's better than Oklahoma, but I don't know that he's going to be the starter at Oklahoma. That's my point. All right. All right. All Kennedy, right. Austin, give Kennedy, us, so he's, Kennedy Brooks can come back next year, too. I know. I don't yeah, know that's what I, said. I don't will, think he leaves. Like, people don't yeah. talk about that enough. People just assume Kennedy Brooks, Brooks is gone because he's been there for 12 oh, years, man. but he can come back. All right. Oh, second thing I know here I know that Clemson will be just as bad in 2022 without some sort of big move this offseason. And by I, I don't mean firing Dabo. I'm not even close to that train. But the offensive coordinator has to go or they have to do something in the portal, which is something that Dabo um, does not believe in. I think one of those two changes has to happen. Look, I think the one of the I mean Nick Saban is a legendary head coach. One of the things that he's been incredible at over the years that's allowed him to be so successful is he doesn't get it he doesn't get attached to any sort of assistance. He brings in people that he doesn't. He didn't even like Lane Kiffin. He brought him in because he knew Lane Kiffin would be good at his job and he would learn things from Lane Kiffin. Dabo, he hires a former player with like no credentials to be his offensive coordinator because he likes him. He's been horrible as an offensive coordinator the last two years. That, that offense is 119th in the country. The only Power Five schools below Clemson in offense this year, and in, in like total team offense. Oh, my screen reset here. Um, are Vanderbilt. Oh, hold on here. The only schools that below them that are Power 5. Northwestern, 
Kansas, Vanderbilt, Colorado, and Arizona. I would be willing to bet that if you combine all those rosters, they have the same. They have they have no five stars. Clemson is flooded with them. I mean, something has to go give there at Clemson, or they're going to lose three or four games again. Yeah, yeah, they got to be able to open that offense, and uh, that doesn't look to be. I mean, they would have to really make a splashy hire and do something that's um, out of character for Clemson for for that to be the case. All right, uh, I'm going to go to my second uh, uh, th- statement that I know. And that's it. B. John Robinson and Kayshawn Boutte are not going to play in 2022. There's, first of all, there's no reason for them to. Neither one of them can improve their draft stock next year. They are going to be the number one players at their position. I don't think that there's any question about that, especially in the case of Kayshawn Boutte, who is already injured. He's seen two teammates uh, uh, go out for the season uh, with injuries. And quite frankly, I don't know that LSU is going to be a national champion or a playoff contender next season. He can get NIL money, go ahead and start getting ready for the NFL draft. I've, and I've said this before on the show, at the end of the season, we're going to hear you know, sometime in the spring, both Bijan Robinson and Kayshawn Boutte will announce that they are not going to be playing uh, in the 2022 season and that they will prepare for the NFL draft. We'll see. I still find that hard to believe, but my third one here, I know that Calvin Austin, the third is going to impress this draft season and be at least a third round draft pick. I think he's going to go to the senior bowl. He's going to produce very well there. I think he's going to test very well. Just to point out some of the guys in his range here, Tavon Austin, five, eight, one seventy six, the eighth overall pick T Y Hilton was drafted in the third round, five, nine, one eighty. Cole Beasley did go undrafted, 5'8", 180. Jamison Crowder went in the fourth round, 5'8", 180. Rondale Moore, second round, 5'7", 181. Tutu Atwell went in the second round this year at 5'9", 155. Calvin Austin, currently 5'9", 162. I would argue he's likely the fastest out of all those guys. He has produced extremely well these past two seasons. I think if he goes out there and smashes at the Senior Bowl and tests very well during the Combine, he is going to be at least a third-round draft pick this year. That's an interesting one. I could see it. He's versatile, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he's I taking a couple sweeps and stuff um, this year for for touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, and we and like you said, Matt, those, those are the type of players that we saw the NFL gravitate towards in, in, this, last, uh, in this last draft. All right, Austin, give us your last thing that you know. Thing that you know. Give us your last one. I know this one more than anything else I know in my entire life. I know that Spencer Rattler should not go to Ole Miss or wherever else Lane Kiffin is next year. Spencer Rattler is a strong personality. I think by this point we've all picked up on that. Lane Kiffin is a strong personality. Guess what generally does not work well together, especially when they're not kind of those kindred. They're they're going to butt heads wherever he goes they are not going to get along. Lane Kiffin is going to want him. He allows Matt Corral to be himself, but he still has to kind of submit himself to what Lane Kiffin wants. Spencer Rattler is not going to do that. He wouldn't do it for Lincoln Riley. You think he's going to go do it for Lane Kiffin? No, no, he's never going to do that. He wants to go someplace. He needs to go someplace where the coach is kind of going to just let him do his own thing, which is also not good for his development. But I, I can't see him and Lane Kiffin coexisting. I think that will just be an absolute train wreck. I don't even know Lane. I don't think Lane Kiffin would want him, to be honest. 
He wants a fiery guy, but that, that's not what Spencer Rattler is. He's going to take Kyle McCord when he goes to LSU. Would be a better fit than Spencer Rattler. I don't disagree. All right. My uh, my last thing that I know um, is that Josh Simon, the Western Kentucky tight end who also lines up in the slot, he's going to be the cheat code that we all thought Jalil Billingsley would be in 2021. Uh, Josh Simon will be that in 2022. He only played one game, but he averaged 24 yards a catch, was, had three for 73 and two. I just remember I have him rostered in a lot of places. Knowing what uh, uh, – Western Kentucky is doing with that offense, bringing in Bailey Zappi, Jarrett Stearns. They are absolute league winners uh, this year on the college side of your campus to Canton roster, bringing over that offense from uh, Houston Baptist. Well, <laughs> Josh Simon was was trending towards being one of the top tight ends and an absolute difference maker um, uh, uh, for, for you on the college side. But he could potentially be an NFL player too. He's productive in his first and second season, first and second seasons. Uh, his dominating rating in yards per team pass attempt in his first and second seasons, all over Jarek's magic line, goes down with a knee injury. I mean, and he's. I think that people will recognize his value in that system next year. But his he st- he still may be underrated. You get him in and he's scoring 20 points a game from the tight end position that's possible that's possible think about what Jarrett Stern uh, Jarrett Stearns is doing for that offense Josh Simon Josh Simon absolutely the cheat code the cheat code in 2022 Austin's shaking his head do you think he comes out this year no not at all you think he goes back okay yeah he goes back I mean yeah we only played what like half a game this year or something I don't even think he played a full one yeah so three for three for seventy three and two in that game. So. I worry about some of those guys. This is like slightly unrelated, but that like uh, him at Western Kentucky, like Jalen Cropper, if he were to stay at Fresno, and their quarterbacks Hainer and Zappy leave. I wonder what happens to those guys next year. I wonder if it would. I mean, just be smarter for him to come out. I mean, I, I it'd be interesting to watch those two situations. And watch it, we shall. All right, uh, I think that's it. That's all we got for tonight. Uh, be sure to catch the YouTube so you can catch Austin and Matt. Um, their Halloween costumes totally caught me off guard. Um, so go ahead and check out the YouTube page at Campus to Canton. You need to check out the YouTube page anyway because we go live 10 a.m. Eastern every Saturday for the tailgate. And we go uh, live late to wrap up your college football Saturday with Coast to Coast. So go ahead and subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube page, but that's going to be our show for tonight. Uh, be sure to catch, check out the Campus to Canton uh, family of podcasts. But apologies to Kirk Curb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Mace, or should I say for Felix Sharp, for Felix Sharp, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama.
and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Rimbaud caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.